you imagine totally overhauled governmental system where everything was tracked just on the blockchain and I didn't have to go down to the DMV or down to the registry of deeds to deal with something. Maybe, yeah. but I'm thinking about how, you know, we've all been using the internet for decades now in some cases and a lot of government stuff is still kept track of on paper. And so I think we have a long way to go. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mint's Exclusive Rights IP Podcast. This is Dan Wanger, a partner here at Mint's. I'm joined today by Frank Geratana, also a partner here at Mint's in the Boston office. Frank works in patent prosecution, strategic development, and he works with startup companies, emerging technology, technology companies of all kind on how best to protect their technology development and advise on how to best reach their markets. So today, we're going to talk about cryptocurrency and underlying technology and how that relates to IP. So Frank, uh, thanks for coming. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting topic because I've always been interested in what they sometimes call emerging technologies, the latest technologies to appear. And I think the blockchain is really interesting because it's not particularly intuitive to most people compared to some other new technologies. For example, I do a lot of work in autonomous vehicles. That's something that I think most people understand intuitively. They may have no idea about how a self-driving car is going to work, but they understand the idea of a car that drives itself. There's been a lot of self-driving cars and science fiction. There were jokes about it in The Simpsons. When I was growing up, I'm in the elder millennial demographic, and I grew up watching the Transformers on Saturday morning cartoons and Optimus Prime as an autonomous vehicle. That easy to understand for a lot of people. But blockchain is something totally different. It does represent, I think, a big leap forward into technology, but it's not immediately apparent why to most people, because it represents aspects of technology that most people usually don't see. Okay, Frank, you mentioned cryptocurrency and blockchain. Can you give us an explanation of what these two things are and how they relate to each other? Yeah, so blockchain is essentially a way of storing data. And it's stored in a way that you can't go back and change the data easily. That's why that's really important. Cryptocurrency is essentially just a way of keeping track of value on the blockchain. It's totally made up. It doesn't exist anywhere else except for the blockchain. It's different from real-world currency, you know, like U.S. dollars that's issued by a government where the government keeps track of how much money it's issued and banks keep track of how many dollars are on their balance sheet and so forth. Yeah, so I, I guess without going into the low-level technical detail, how does this work? Like, how, what is the blockchain? Where does it live? Is anybody actually managing it? Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing. Blockchain allows this stuff to be decentralized. In other words, nobody in particular is in charge. There's no central bank of cryptocurrency or anything like that. The blockchain technology also allows for what's called a distributed ledger. The idea that a bunch of different entities can all join the system, keep a copy of their own blockchain, that's the ledger, and they can all operate with each other in order to keep the records accurate so that if you have a copy of the blockchain and somebody else has a copy of the blockchain, the technology allows for everybody to stay consistent. Yeah. So the way I think about it, and I'm very interested in crypto technology, though I wouldn't profess to say that I'm a crypto expert by any means. I sort of think of it as, you know, big server farm. It's like a mini internet within the internet, these big server farms tracking 
how much money I have in my crypto wallet, just as one particular example of an application for the blockchain, which is really the technology I think we're talking about when we talk about crypto. Crypto is just one application of that blockchain technology. And you've got all of these good Samaritans or mining farms that are basically making the blockchain work for any particular crypto. Is that is that fair in your mind or do you think of it differently? Yeah, exactly. Although the way you phrased it makes it sound a little altruistic. And I think there are some people who just really believe in technology, but they're doing it to get paid because the way <laughs> that the system works is that they call it mining because you have to do a bunch of math to figure out the way to add new transactions, new records to the blockchain. And if you figure out the right way to do it in a way that makes all the math add up, then you get some additional cryptocurrency. That's how Bitcoin works, for example. There's other ways of doing it, but that's the gist of it. You participate in the system, you participate in this process of continuing to add new stuff to the blockchain, and then you get a reward from it. So why isn't it fungible? Why can't somebody, you know, make changes to it such that you know they're creating money where it didn't exist anymore. That's one thing I just don't understand about the blockchain. And maybe that's sort of tangential from what we're talking about here in the IP space, but you know there's going to be more and more applications of, of this technology and it's only as good as much as people can trust it, right? So the NFTs that'll come out and things like that, people are, are investing a lot of money in things that are based on a blockchain. So is there something we can talk about that has to do with how it just it's just not fakeable, I, I guess, is falsifiable in one sense. Yeah, definitely. And it does that through math, essentially. So one of the interesting things about this blockchain technology is that it essentially relies on very complicated math. And the systems that are, the systems that are participating in you know, a particular you know, blockchain, for example, they can only participate if they're operating the sa- using the same math and if they try to add anything to the blockchain, the math has to add up. This is the reason why you can't go back and change data on the blockchain. Because if somebody tried to do that, if somebody, say, copy the blockchain, try to fiddle with the numbers, they give themselves a lot of money, then every other system would look at that and say, hey, your math doesn't add up. You know, we're rejecting your changes. And then they would continue to you know, operate without accepting whatever thing you were trying to do to game the system. Now, I got to say, when this first appeared, like when Bitcoin first appeared a little over a decade ago, I think a lot of people may have looked at it and thought, uh, I don't know if I trust this. You know, This may not work out the way that people think it does. But a decade later, more than a decade later, the math has held up. And so that's why these systems have been working. And I think that's why a lot of people are now are seeing that these systems have continued to operate, you know, essentially as expected. That you know, there have been some vulnerabilities, but fundamentally, it's been sound. And so now, a lot of big players are really paying attention because they believe the technology does work. If someone went into a bank and tried to like go into the bank's records and add a bunch of money to their bank account, obviously, banks protect their data really well. But that requires on banks having really solid information security to avoid something like that from happening. This blockchain stuff is different because it's using sophisticated math techniques to ensure that even if somebody did go into some of the systems participating in the blockchain, the math wouldn't add up and so they wouldn't be able to get away with it. So what's in your view is the next step for this technology as it relates to protecting it in IP? And like, where are we going from here? Because there's a, so many companies out there, whether you're talking about you know cryptocurrency banks like Coinbase or currencies that are coming out or NFT providers, there, 
it seems like every day I read something different about a new application for the blockchain. So what are we going to do as people do this even more and more and try to separate themselves in what I think is going to be a pretty robust market for a long time, whether or not you're talking about just currencies, but any sort of applications of the blockchain? Yeah. So I think this industry is so new that almost anything could happen. And I think that's why it's so interesting because we really are at the beginning of what could be a technology that serves as the foundation for you know th- things like you know financial transactions for decades to come. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's been around. Like I said, it's been around for a decade. You know, seems to work. A lot of people are interested, and there's a lot of money and resources going into it. I think a lot of the work right now is being done on the really foundational stuff, the stuff that most people don't see, the stuff that's happening in the background. I'm talking about all kinds of techniques. You know, a moment ago I talked about you know there's all these mathematical techniques that exist to make it work. There's a lot of really interesting things happening with that from a technology perspective, but most people, like end users, are never going to see that. It's not going to be something that they necessarily need to see. So I think a lot of the interesting advancements of the next couple of years are actually going to be in usability. Companies are going to come along and say, hey, this blockchain stuff doesn't make sense to most people. It's not particularly usable. How can we design a user experience where somebody without a technical background can use it you know, without fear that they're going to mess it up or get scammed or things like that? And so I think that's where there's going to be some really interesting technology developed. And I think that's where there's going to be interesting opportunities for startups to come in, figure out how to make blockchain technology usable you know, for regular users and obtain protection of the technology that's going to give them a competitive advantage. I think there's also stuff that's happening in that, you know, the background, the underlying foundational, the structural stuff of blockchain and there are companies coming up with the next generation of the techniques right now that'll make it you know, more efficient, more secure, and so on. And that represent, those represent real technological advances too. And so if I think a company comes along and comes up with the next great way to do the fundamentals of blockchain technology, if they pursue protection on that, that's going to be really valuable. Yeah, I can understand that, right? You're basically saying that so far, it's been kind of like the wild, wild west development-wise for for what I'll use the same word that you just used, the fundamentals of the blockchain. But if somebody comes in and says, and develops a way to improve those, make them standardized, and really provide a platform for others to build their blockchain technologies off of, that could be something that's really, really a game changer. If, if people are going to trust it, which I think they are, it's not going anywhere. That, that could be something that's really valuable down the road. Yeah, I think it's kind of like what happened with the internet. The internet was originally essentially a academic and government project. And there was a lot of work done in the early days to figure out, okay, how can we do, you know, cross-country communication with electronic devices, you know, in a way that's, you know, efficient and usable and so on. And, And as the technology progressed, there were more and more applications for it. But then, you know, around the mid 90s, private industry started getting involved and private industries started developing the next generation of both the underlying internet protocols as well as applications that people would use the internet for you know companies were founded you know like like amazon came along in the late 90s started using the internet for regular commerce and when companies like that started using the internet then a lot of the technology really took off and a lot of them did want to protect their innovations do you see any potential pitfalls for companies coming into the crypto space that might not necessarily be obvious to them? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things. One is that because nobody knows where the industry is really going, you know, I think some companies will put a lot of resources in and the direction they go is not 
the direction that there's the most interest in. When it comes to intellectual property, there's some there's some issues with how to actually protect what you've come up with. So I keep mentioning that this blockchain stuff is decentralized. There's no central entity for most blockchain-based systems. That's one of the key advantages. But that means that if a lot of different entities are participating in a blockchain system, and if they are using, for example, patented technology, it's going to be hard to figure out, okay, who, who of these is actually using the technology? Who's actually infringing on particular rights, you know, particular patent, for example, and how do you even figure that out in the first place? How do you even know who to go after, much less are they really infringing your patent? Yeah, that makes sense. I'm a high-tech litigator. That's how most of my time and one of the developments over the last few years that I think caused everybody fits and is now starting to settle down a little bit is maybe Alice. Do you see any Alice issues with people jumping into the crypto space, blockchain space, or are are we sort of sorted out on that? Yeah. So yeah, Alice was the Supreme Court case that in most respects limited the ability to get protection on software type inventions. And I actually think that blockchain is a huge opportunity in view of things like Alice. So for the last several years, I think it's actually been hard to get protection on stuff in the financial technology realm because a lot of those were considered to be you know, non-technological or business methods, not necessarily improvements to computer technology. You know, I used to do a lot of work in the fintech space years ago, and a lot of that started to dial down a lot after the Alice case came out. But now blockchain does represent, I think, a real improvement to underlying computer technology. You know, it's not about just coming up with a better application of existing technology to, you know, financial methods or instruments or whatever. Blockchain really does represent something that is a, uh, you know, a new way of doing things in terms of the technology. And there's a lot of improvements to be had. So, companies that are operating in the space today trying to figure out, okay, you know, how can we make blockchain more efficient? How can we make blockchain technology more accessible? Those are all going to be real improvements to the underlying technology. And that kind of stuff usually is patentable. That's really interesting. You know, when, when, we were, when we were preparing for this, that did not occur to me. And now that you say it, it's like so obvious. That's a big difference between this technology and, and what I think happened to the fintech space a couple of years ago. Not just fintech, but really, yeah, software more broadly was I think it was sort of endemic in the space that people were just churning out patents that on their face were just claiming, moving something, doing it with a computer. And they were trying to patent in software what people had been doing as humans for years and years and years just by hand and saying, now do it with a computer. But this is like fundamentally different when we're talking and still in the financial space where you are saying, I'm going to take a computer, I'm going to do this fundamentally new and undeveloped way of trying to track transactions. And that's something that's different than just saying, oh, I could do it by hand. You can't do these things by hand. (laughs) You cannot do the blockchain by hand. Right, exactly. Because it necessarily involves, you know, sophisticated techniques based in cryptography. You know, I I keep talking about the math, but there's there's even more than that. At the end of the day, I think this will actually be a big boon for the fintech industry. I think it already has. And as there's more development in the blockchain space, there are going to be a lot more like real technological innovations that, you know, that hopefully really will, you know, mean real, real world improvements for, for a lot of people. I mean, I, I think this technology is interesting because it could change things about 
the way that things like banking and finance operate. And, um, you know, it remains to be seen exactly what's going to be happening. But like I said, I think we're at the early stages and a lot of companies are rushing in and they're going to want to stake their claim for the technology they're developing. Do you see any, you know, this is something I thought about a lot as I read more and more about crypto and blockchain. Do you see any applications for the blockchain technology that might arise unrelated necessarily to the financial space? Like we saw NFTs, and obviously that's related to money in some sense because people are buying them. But really what they're doing is they're tracking unique users of some digital object and selling that ownership right to, to somebody for, I think the first one sold for you know some artist whose name I'm blanking on right now, I apologize. But I think it, that digital NFT sent, sold for $35 million or something like that. <laughs> and then it was off to the races from there for that market. Yeah, so... You're absolutely right that cryptocurrency is just one application of blockchain technology. I think that blockchain can be used for anything where you need to keep track of ownership. Obviously, you know, money is a big one, and that's the one that's drawing a lot of interest. But as you pointed out, blockchain is being used right now to keep track of ownership of artwork. That's when NFTs are talked about, non-fungible tokens. Usually that refers to using blockchain to keep track of something specific like a particular piece of artwork, as opposed to something general, like some quantity of money, some quantity of cryptocurrency. And so in addition to artwork, I hear a lot about real estate, for example. And there are a lot of companies developing technology to use blockchain to keep track of real estate records. And we can imagine in the future, instead of the existing system where you do things like you know record at the local registry of deeds, you have a blockchain-based system where it can be done automatically and with fewer opportunities for error, fewer opportunities for fraud, and so forth. Can you imagine totally overhauled governmental system where everything was tracked just on the blockchain and I didn't have to go down to the DMV or down to the registry of deeds to deal with something? Maybe, yeah. but I'm thinking about how you know we've all been using the internet for decades now in some cases, and a lot of government stuff is still kept track of on paper. And so I think we have a long way to go. A fair point. Um, I think that, honestly, I think that will happen. Like, it's really hard to predict the future. But I've now, you know, just long enough to see technology go through cycles where a technology comes along, people are skeptical of it, people find really interesting uses for it, and then it gets really big. You know, I mean, that happened, you know, for, you know, for all kinds of things, you know, since the dawn of human civilization. But there have been a lot of real game changers like that in you know modern history whether it was you know radio or the automobile or electronics or more recently things like the internet or smartphones and, and now we got blockchain and so yeah down the road i wouldn't be surprised if this stuff actually replaced a lot of things that we use today but again i think we're still at the beginning and again that's why it's so exciting so what are you telling companies that are getting involved in this technology now or just starting up about what they should be doing to protect themselves from an IP perspective. Yeah. So if they are developing new technology, usually we want to take a look at what they're developing, you know, and is there an opportunity for things like patent protection that are going to make sense for the business? So first of all, not every technology company necessarily needs to pursue patent protection, but I think of the blockchain space, there's so much opportunity there that most of them will decide to do it. And the question I usually ask is, if you're using blockchain, are you just taking existing blockchain technology and applying it to some new use case? Or are you actually making some improvement to blockchain technology to make your stuff work? If the answer is the latter, then usually there's something there that's worth protecting. And again, this industry is so new, we don't know exactly where it's going to go. 
But I think it makes sense to err on the side of protecting technology that you developed because it could be really big and there could be huge value in what they're developing, even if they don't realize it now. I think that's one of the things that's most interesting about the space. And I think that's why it's time, a big opportunity for companies in this space developing technology in terms of IP. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I, it's something that I tell companies that are starting up when I get the chance to speak with them, which is like, look, I can't tell you right now that your patents are going to be worth anything five, 10 years from now. But I know if you don't have them, you might wish that you did. And you don't want to be in that position saying, well, I, I decided not to do that because I, you know, I didn't think it was important at the time. Whereas now, even if your business unfortunately doesn't work out, you might still have foundational IP that you can use for all sorts of different things going down the road. 5, 10, 15 years from now. Yeah, exactly. And in the startup world, it's often even more unclear what in particular they'll need IP protection for. It really will depend, for example, on what the plan is. If the startup wants to be acquired down the road, then if they start the patent process now, then it really will be their acquirer who looks at their patent portfolio and decides what to do with those patents, whether to further develop the technology or license it or whatever the case may be. And so that's why it makes sense to plan for every possibility that makes sense for their business, including just protecting technology, knowing that we're not sure exactly where it's going to go, but it's worth taking the chance and put some resources into it um, on the, depending on what happens in the future. Yeah, you brought up the example of Amazon. And when Amazon got started, it was a bookseller, right? And who knew? Maybe Bezos knew, but... I don't think as a user of Amazon when it first came out that I knew that I was going to be buying my kid's shampoo on Amazon today. So you never know where those things are going to go. So it's just a, a lesson to keep your options open and consider all possible possible routes and options that you have on the table in front of you. Yeah, exactly. When we're talking about a technology that people are still struggling to even understand, it's going to be probably a long time before we see what are the most popular use cases for the technology in the real world. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. And what's so fascinating about the technology to me, because I can sit here as somebody and say, is cryptocurrency really going to displace the dollar? I don't know. I'm personally a little skeptical of that, but that doesn't mean that that's the only application of the technology. And I was just blown away by some of the money that was exchanging hands for non-fungible tokens. And there's going to be another use case coming up at some point that is going to do the same thing. I'm going to be like, I can't believe that's happening. <laughs> and if I was a company working in that space, I'd want to be a part of it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, we'll we'll see what happens in the coming years, but I do think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I also don't know about things like, you know, will cryptocurrency, you know, replace conventional currency? You know, maybe it won't. Maybe they'll all coexist in some way. You know, maybe maybe some governments will adopt it and some won't. You know, I have no idea. You know, I think things will happen and I'm really interested to see exactly what does. Me too. Well, Frank, this has been a lot of fun, really informative conversation about crypto and blockchain and how it relates to IP. I'm hoping that we can do this again and maybe there'll be some developments soon that uh, cause us to have another conversation about this topic quickly. <laughs> yes, I have no doubt. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.